Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week. From the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. And Josh, man about Manhattan, will recap two of the incredible events he attended recently, the Big Little Lies premiere and the CFDA Awards. Okay, yeah, let's start with the Big Little Lies premiere, which um, <gasps> it was. It took place last Wednesday. Devastating to me that Julie and I couldn't do this together, together in like Audrey Hepburn, Elvis Presley costumes or something. I feel like we could have gone all out and really just made it into our like wedding or something um i feel like i'm nervous to say too much about the episode so they they screened the first episode and where was Um, it was it lincoln center you said yeah wait sorry yeah i'll set the scene so it was at jazz at lincoln center a really kind of over the top soiree which i guess you must when you have meryl nicole and reese all in attendance as well as obviously Laura Dern, Shailene Woodley, and Zoe Kravitz. Um, the whole squad was there. Alexander Skarsgård, all the men, Adam Scott, all the kids, Amabella, um, Ziggy, like the whole squad. Transition lenses. Transition lenses. I have to mention um, his moment in the... He has a very pivotal... Not pivotal. He has a very intriguing scene in the first episode that I feel like you're going to be very scandalized by i don't know you're gonna be very you're gonna be excited to discuss um but yeah i also just can't believe julie that we've been doing this podcast long enough that because i feel like when we the big little eyes season one was airing we were so excited about talking about it every week and it's just funny to me now that we're at season two i know i can't wait to discuss episode by episode it's making me very sentimental um but yeah so it was in this kind of big screening room and there was sort of, you You got in, there was a big step and repeat, so everyone was taking photos in front of that, and I kind of was, I rode up in the elevator with Andrew Rannells, and he was with our former In the Limelight friend of ours, Uzana, who played Dorota on Gossip Girl, who we interviewed on the podcast, and we reminisced about how fun that podcast episode was. So, oh. she's great, loves Uzana. So, Zuzana and Andrew were there. There was all sorts of, like, HBO celebs, like, people who were on their other shows. My friend was very excited to see the actress on The Deuce, who she loves. I saw the Broad City Girls, um, Alana and Abby, uh, Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye, who was on a crutch. And I don't know what happened. I I saw a page six item about it. And I didn't read it. So something. What else was he wearing? I feel like he's always good. It was for a wild statement. outfit. It was some sort of like sequined dress with like kind of a provocative top. Um, wow. Yeah, he looked great, but but he was. I felt bad because he was kind of immobile. And then, but I think that just shows the power of Big Little Lies. That injury or no, you get yourself to this premiere. Right. Well, I'm just impressed because usually at these premieres, even of movies, you don't see so many talent that's unaffiliated with, with the project. The, with the just project. Up. Yeah. I'm skipping ahead because I also want to get into the screening, but also some intriguing celebrities kind of showed up under the radar, not doing the step and repeat or kind of any photos. So when we got to the party after the screening, maybe like an hour in, Paul Rudd arrived. I don't really know what his association would be other than that he's friends with Reese, I think. They did a they movie both together. They on Friends. Oh, yeah, good call. 
But also, didn't they do that James L. Brooks movie together, Reese and Paul Rudd? Oh, right. That we all probably try. <laughs> yeah, like I can't even remember the name. It's some, some. But anyway, and then he made a. This girl near me was so excited to see Paul Rudd. He looks great. I mean, who doesn't love Paul Rudd, I guess? But she kind of, she started texting her mom and almost like shrieking. And then I really thought she was going to lose it because he walked over to say hi to Adam Scott and Alexander Skarsgård, who were having a conversation. So the three of those men were kind of in a little huddle together. And she just like could not keep it together that Paul Rudd, Adam Scott, and Alexander Skarsgård were in this group together of like her desired man. And then Donald Glover was also there, also under the radar, chilling with... um, Zoe Kravitz. I guess they're oh. close. Um, so he was kind of at her table hanging out there. So yeah, it was kind of a lot more celebs. And Michelle Pfeiffer, but she's not random because she... Um, David E. Kelly, right, exactly. But she looked stunning. She looks great. Like, she walks around and it's like she's walking on air. Well, I love that you're surprised by that. I just <laughs> always assume, of no, course, she looks yeah, amazing. Just... She looks incredible. She's Michelle Pfeiffer. And... So then the so the party was kind of like the nicest bar mitzvah you could ever imagine. They had all these stations set up for different activities you could do. Like so, what? So there was I got the the sort of portrait. They they had these kind of three women who draw quick sketches of you. So everyone was waiting there. Then but there it was, was like really classy. Like oh I want my a friend's God. copy of it. The Josh woman, the woman, said, the woman who did my illustration said no one's asked her more questions than me. I just was grilled. <laughs> She's trying she's trying to illustrate me and woman. I keep distracting her. I asked how how many she does in a night. Does her hand hurt by the end of the night? Is it easier to do men or women? I mean, I'd had a glass of wine or two and I was just so intrigued to know everything there is to know. Cause also they there were so many people crowded around to get these portraits and they were just going through one by one. And I mean it's they do a great job. They're amazing. But, it was really I, but just, great. I was like, by the end of the night, you must have to ice your hand. And she was like, you're so sweet to say that. Um, so <laughs> I feel like I definitely was more chatty with them than anyone that they, than they probably wanted. But then there was also a kind of arm tattoo situation where you would like stick your arm into this thing and they would paint it. I didn't do that. There was like a sleeve. Could you get like a full sleeve? Yeah, kind of. I was very confused. Right. And then there was a photo booth, which is standard for these kind of things. There was uh, two makeup chairs. Neutrogena was sponsoring, so you could. Josh and I love a makeup chair. I know, Julie. I was that made me miss you more than anything because at the Emmy's parties that Julie and I went to, and a few others, I feel like we've gotten a little touch ups. It's so fun. We love a touch up. We love a mid party touch up. Um, and then there was all different, obviously like food or d'oeuvre setups. I'm also forgetting there were other kind of crafty kind of type stations you could go to as well. They really just went all out. And that was in everything I'm describing was in kind of the initial room. Then you went through the main room and it was kind of this beautiful, it's a tiered space. Anyone who's, if you've happened to have seen photos of it or have been there, it's kind of wild. It's almost like an auditorium space, but each floor people can go up and stand on to mingle. So you can kind of look up and see the celebrities as they mingle up on the different tiers, um, which is kind of interesting. But 
Meryl was definitely life of the party holding court, which I wouldn't have necessarily expected. But I mean, I, I know I know she's fun, but I didn't know she would want to like stay the night and hang. But she definitely did. I felt, so who was she like carousing with? Uh, she was near Reese. Reese and her were both kind of holding court. Nicole did not stay for the party, which was disappointing. She must have kind of ducked out shortly after the screening. She was with Keith Urban. Meryl brought her daughter. So she was around hanging and Reese brought Ava, her daughter, who we've seen at other Big Little Lies parties. And I always think that's really sweet. And then Ava, um, I always kind of, I feel like Ava must be like, I, I feel like I wish she could like bring her friends and hang out, you know? Right. And then Shailene was dancing up a storm with Ziggy, the guy who plays her son. And Zoe was a little more low key. She was like sitting at that table with Donald Glover and everyone else. Laura Dern was definitely in the mix with Reese, too. I don't know. People were, like, going... Like, Andrew Reynolds went up to Meryl. Like, people were, like... I feel like Meryl has to do a lot of... Like, there was a line to, like, go greet Meryl. But it sounds like, like she was having fun. No, she was she having was a great time, and she definitely... It was all people, I assume, that she knows on some level, but it was definitely, to me, like, you pay your respects to Meryl. You know what I mean? As right, it should be. But ring. it was But it was just, like, I don't think it's, like, she can just chill totally. What was the vibe, like the decor like? How would you describe it? Was there any sort of theme? There was a lot of kind of bright color floral situations going on. They were going for maybe a spring theme, I would say. Wow. <laughs> no one is ever going to have me be like a party planner with this way of describing. But I just, they didn't necessarily do, I almost was hoping they were going to do more like show themed decorations. Right. Like maybe um like a California yeah vibes. or vi- yeah visuals from the show visuals from the characters I don't know nameplates there was nothing really like that but then my night ended sort of in the best way it could I think which is with the two boys who play um Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård's sons the twins this is the best possible story <laughs> they, i could have heard from josh the next day i was sort of in the corner and i found myself talking at the end of the night to this guy and it turns out he's the father of the two twins who are running around this is probably what was like, his vibe um he was nice i feel like anyone whose kids are like in the industry like this you know he he he's like he's all about his kids um but he so yeah his sons are in the show obviously and they and Meryl plays uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character's mother. So she's had a lot of interaction with these boys and scenes. And I don't want to give away too much, but there's a very pivotal scene in the first episode. I think this is fine to say. That is Meryl, Nicole Kidman, and the two boys. And the two boys are on one side of the table and Meryl and Nicole are on the other. And it's kind of a long scene. Wow. And they have to react to lengthy Marilyn Nicole Kidman monologues. Oh my and God. Can you even imagine? I know. Okay. And to be their age, they're probably like 10, 11. I don't know. And then you're acting opposite Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman in this like kind of um, show stopping dramatic scene. That's something most actors would die for. And then. Well, right. And, and I'm like, surprised these actors must be good for like a showrunner or to, to entrust, entrust them. them. I know. I was thinking the same thing. So I said to this dad, also, I want to note that this was at like 1130. Almost all the other <laughs> talent had left, but I loved that the boys were still there and hanging out. And so I say, 
you know, I can't get over that scene. And, you know, that must have been so special for them to have this amazing moment with Meryl and Nicole. They'll, like, they'll be able to show their kids this someday. I was, like, really going over the top. And he was like, I know. And he said, you know, Meryl's just been so wonderful. The day before their first day of filming, Meryl wanted to really, like, connect with the boys. So she took them, like, for a fun day together. And they played Jenga and they played all sorts of board games. And, you know, Meryl's basically was like their family on set. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, Meryl Streep taking you out for a day of Jenga when you're, you know, 10 or something. Like, does that register how crazy that is to them? Probably not. But like someday they're going to realize how wild that was. I mean, and how it's a little disappointing to me that it's all downhill for, <laughs> from here for those boys, right? Like, what can it's possibly never, it's top never that? Nothing. I mean... I feel like Meryl could auction off at one of these like can charity auctions an oh afternoon of Jenga with Meryl and it would go for like half a million, a million. dollars or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we would rob a bank. Yeah. It's such a wild, it's so wild to me. Um, but yeah, I know. I was like that, that was just so funny to me. And then they said, Nicole is, I mean, Nicole obviously has the benefit of having had all last season with them. So they said, Nicole has been wonderful the whole time in terms of like, getting to you know offset time and like they go to nicole's house it seems like a lot i don't know if all tv shows are like this but for some reason i feel like it's come up a few times or came up a few times that, uh, during the premiere too that like they all love like doing things outside of set like their bowling trip right. and they're and they go to each other's houses a lot seems like a little unusual right well, it's because it's like so pre-technology. It's like a little nineties. There, <laughs> yes, I wouldn't be surprised exactly. to hear they're like playing mini golf with Zoe Kravitz or something. No, but these these kids have it so good to be on this show and get all these uh, kind of like Hall of Fame actresses to work against. Um, I can't even imagine. So, did anyone speak before or after the screen? Oh my did gosh! Did they do a yes. Q and A? Wait. Oh yeah. This this. Thank you for bringing this up. So. Casey Bloys, who's like head of programming at HBO, introduced the whole sh uh, episode. They played the first episode. Then he kind of shouted out the Monterey Five, which is the five women and Meryl. And then I guess she's on the five, but he, he made a point of noting her, obviously, and the men of the show. Then I guess he introduced Reese and Nicole. So they came out together to actually introduce the episode. And there is such a funny height differential between the two of them. They play up in the first episode the height differential between Reese and the other characters in a funny way. But Reese and Nicole definitely, like, were holding hands. They are, you know, they talked about how they're, like, best of friends doing this together and that it's such a kind of female-driven project and Andrea Arnold's the director for season two. And then they played the episode. I always find it awkward at these premieres, though, when people cheer for each name when it comes up. You know what I, I mean? Know. I get stressed out that Me someone's too. name is going to come up and they're not going to get it as much. Yeah, and, and, you know, applause. almost everyone there had someone there for them. So even the kind of like smaller characters when their names come up, sometimes they would even get louder, you know, receptions. I also was very interested. I had the perfect birth, um, sort of like I was in the very front of the like kind of balcony thing. So I could look right down and see the actresses. And it went in a row, or like in a column, I should say, Reese and Ava, like everyone against the aisle, Reese, Nicole, it went, so yeah, Reese and Ava, Nicole and Keith, Meryl, Laura Dern, 
Shailene, Zoe in order. And it just was fun. I mean, obviously that's pretty much works out to like their screen time or whatever, but it's just funny to see it so right. drawn out like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they were all like cute and turning back and forth to say hi to the people in front of them or behind them, that kind of thing. Shailene Aww. and Zoe came in or they seemed very tight, I would say. And Shailene looked great. She was going for kind of like a 1960s vibe with like the big hair and everything, you know? Oh my gosh, I have to check it out. With Andrea Arnold as director, was there a difference? Did you sense any sort of difference between like the tone or aesthetic? Wow, film criticism coming into the podcast. Let's see. I, I would say it's very similar to season one. I loved it. The first episode, obviously, is the only one I've seen, but um, it almost feels like a turbocharged version of season one, if that makes sense. Oh, I love that. That makes it sound really like, good. I'm excited. Yeah. I would say Meryl adds a whole new dynamic, though, because she's in a lot of the first episode. She is, I think this has been in the trailers and stuff, so I think it's fine to say. She kind of comes in as a very, not like necessarily the villain, but she's sort of the adversary, at least in the first episode, in the sense of she's trying to figure out what happened to her son, you know, what what this kind of like situation was where he could die, uh, you know, kind of sussing around with like Nicole and Reese and everything. So I'm curious, that sort of is how they're setting up this season, that it's almost like Meryl is the driving sort of antagonistic force. Oh, if there was anyone who could take on those oh, women, yeah. though. And Meryl, Meryl is doing, I know she said, talked about how she had like new teeth, prosthetic teeth for the role. Um, she also is speaking in kind of a different... I wasn't expecting this, really. Like, uh, She's definitely studied Alexander Skarsgård's dialect or way of speaking and is, like, doing some sort of version of that. Um, so she's kind of speaking in this, like... I don't even know how to describe it other than, like, a Skarsgårdian sort of, I guess, Swedish accent. But it's... I mean, she's Meryl, so she's, like, perfect. And her scenes with Reese are, Julie, the best thing I've ever seen. Like, they are so good. She has two extended scenes with Meryl that are, I mean, with Reese that are just like hilarious, the most funny moments in the whole episode. Laura, oh, I cannot wait. Laura this Dern is such has some, like, up. Laura Dern definitely gets some, like, she was almost like, some of the people I talked to after were like, Laura Dern stole the episode because she gets some, like, really good comic set pieces. Um, okay. And yeah, Transition Lenses has a weird moment. There are some new characters who I'm curious to see how you feel about. That's all I'll say okay. there, including a love interest type possibility for Shailene. And interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like I've like whatever. This is fine. At this point, reviews will have come out, so everyone can just. This is just getting people more excited. Um, so excited! So, top of your power rankings after this episode would be what Meryl and Reese's characters together combined. In the first episode, I was like wanting, I wanted just all the extra footage. I wanted any possible Meryl Reese you could get. Nicole, I obviously worship. She doesn't. No, she has like she has a good she has good stuff in the first episode too. It's a little maybe less than I feel like her stuff's coming down later in the season. You can tell. Who else is there? Laura Dern. I mean, they're all. What makes it so fun is that they're all so good and so different. So good. Ugh. I can't. I can't wait for you to see the episode though, and then we'll like have a real breakdown. 
I know, I know. And I'm curious who you guys are most excited to see. Yeah. I'm I'm interested if it I assume I mean this is from this is from my, in my standpoint like my Game of Thrones like I'm curious right, if the same. obsession will for both of us I feel like I'm wondering if the kind of cultural obsession will be the same this season I think it will right no I've explained it to if I have male friends who are like obsessed with football this is my football yes I know I almost feel like we should do a fan a fantasy league or something where we're like betting on the different characters or something yes uh, no totally. I'm <laughs> Okay, and then last night you went to the CFDA Awards. Yeah, not not as exciting in the sense of there was no episode of Big Little Lies played at this event, but it was the CFDA Awards. It's like the fashions Oscars where they give the awards for the best designer of the year for menswear and womenswear. My personal highlight was that the Olsen twins won for accessory designers of the year. And I guess they've won six times. Did you realize that? There's no. six times the FDA winners. Um, what was their speech like? Their speech, I was sort of like out of body for their speech. <laughs> I guess this is, I guess there's something in me where the Olsen twins will always just have a really important, they mean a lot to me. But it was a very brief sort of, um, they seemed almost like bashful, like they didn't want to be up on the stage accepting an award like it was very hard to even hear them they were speaking very softly almost like they were just whispering to each other and it was just like the most straightforward you know thanking everyone and it might have been like a 25 second speech i feel like they just anything they do like that though to me just adds to their like enigmatic sort of mysterious sense that they've cultivated where they just don't you like don't see them. You don't. I don't like. I didn't even know they were in the room, and it was a pretty intimate dinner setup. Um, and then when they called their name, I was like praying that they were there. And then they kind of emerged from one of the tables. Where um, was it? The Brooklyn Museum. So it was set up in this huge kind of like in the middle of the museum. It's a really beautiful space. Jennifer Lopez was given the Icon of the Year award, which has in the past been won by Rihanna and Beyonce, Naomi Campbell. Um, uh. And she looked incredible. Yeah. A friend of mine told me that like she's been want this is like a big deal. Like she's been wanting this for years. Like she's been actively talking about how like this award would mean so much to her. Yeah, she wore a Ralph Lauren outfit. It was almost like I guess a crop top situation. It was midriff bearing and it was like a long orange skirt and then sort of a very glittery top. I w- I was hoping she was gonna break out into song and say perform something. Um but, no, but this short was... of that, like she brought with the speech, she was referencing her personal lives, making like self-deprecating jokes. If you haven't yet read Josh's report about being there, you should right now. She definitely, um, like she cried twice, which I don't know. I was a little surprised. Uh, and people were definitely discussing this after um, because she at one point did a whole, like it was a very actress accepting an award moment where she kind of like started to cry and then turned and Tom Ford had presented it to her. And so he was waiting and she kind of looked at Tom and was like, am I okay? Cause I think she was worried her makeup was running. And then she kind of like composed herself and then turned back to the mic. And so there's probably like 10 seconds of silence. It was super dramatic. I'm going to try that the next <laughs> time I accept an award. And then, and then she goes, um, like I said, I wasn't going to cry, which I feel like is the classic line, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And then she talked about A-Rod a few times because she said, I guess, A-Rod's obsessed with Tom Ford clothing and she made a joke about how like she thought that she was like the indispensable one for him, but like the person he really can't live without is Tom Ford, which is like kind of funny. And then, and then later, I guess this wasn't about, this wasn't a joke about A-Rod, but she, I thought this was nice. It was like sort of self-deprecating. She was going over how like she's about to turn, she didn't say the age. She's like, we don't have to say the age out loud. I'm about to have a big birthday coming up because she's turning 50 this year, which is insane for how she, good she looks. Um, But, She's she's like she's going on a tour, I guess. It's twenty years since her first album, so she said it's a very like sentimental time for her right now to be winning this award. And she's like, so many things have happened. I've had you know a bunch of babies, a bunch of albums, a couple of divorces, and everyone like really liked that. And like she got Love a good, that. she got some really good laughter there. I thought that was good. Like she, that's I, really winning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she like had a great smile when she said it. Um, she talked about like her different sort of like trademark. I didn't even know some of these, but I guess she like different things she's known for wearing, like different famous dresses, her hoop earrings. It like definitely seemed like it meant, you know, you can tell it like really means a lot to someone when they're accepting one right. of these. Like it was a long speech. She seemed very kind of just like in the moment, enjoying it. She dedicated it to her, um, a makeup artist and hairstylist of hers who passed away. Um, which also, which was one the moment that she kind of had to stop for her crying. And, um, the person next to me was very moved by at the end when she talked about A-Rod, her two kids and A-Rod's two kids and how they've all really shown her what like true beauty is from how they loved her. Aww. So that was a great moment at, when she was at, in the, pre- uh, they took photos of her after and Tom Ford and A-Rod had to like help with the train of her dress, which I thought was cute. But other than that, it was a lot of models like the Hadids, um, the Emily Ratajkowski, Martha Hunt, uh, you know, it's like a huge, I, I was sitting next to a great person to be sitting next to Heidi Gardner from SNL. Who's so funny. Wow. Um, she did a skit with Gwyneth Paltrow on weekend update this spring. So I was asking her about that. And, um, she said Gwyneth was like so funny and chill and down to earth and like willing to make fun of herself, which like we, I think some people know, but you know, and that she was like, she was like nervous, to, you know, like it's like Gwyneth Paltrow, but that she was so chill so yeah, it was fun. It was a it was a nice sort of like a, a Monday night event. Is you know, it's a little bit it's an intense way to start the week. I was you know it's a late night, but it was fun. We had a good time, and J Lo really brought it. So I the only th- I just oh was wishing gosh. there was a performance. J Lo is it hosted by anyone or no? So so they usually have a host. Issa Rae hosted it last year. This year they decided not to have a host. So instead they had a few comedians, Hassan Minaj and Jessica Williams, who kind of introduced different segments or different awards. They were good. I think it's a hard, like fashion's a hard crowd, you know, it's like they, 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 but they, I think they won people over. They both look great, but yeah, no host this year. So Congratulations to Jennifer Lopez, right, Julie? Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, I'm really won over by that speech. Yeah, it was a good... She Tom Ford is like... Have you ever heard him speak? He has a magnetic... Yes. Like, his way of speaking... He's immaculate. I know. Everything. I was... Just, I had no... I, I guess I've seen him speak before, but maybe never in person. He just has this kind of entrancing cadence to the way he discusses things. I know. He definitely has had some sort of... <laughs> What, what do you call it? Elocution yes. training or something. It's almost like he was performing, you know? It was very, it was very hypnotic. 
All right. Well, yeah, those are my two big nights. Two big nights out on the town. Um, <laughs> let's end though with uh, kind of, we need to check in with our royal pals. And Julie, I need to like get into this with you because I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. Do you want to, do you want to explain this Prince George thing? Yes. Prince George, actually, you better explain it because you know the context of this more than I okay. do. I just know so, it from what you've written. Sorry, so, I'm, on va- I'm vacation mode. They, so there's this really weird, and I love when these kind of odd Prince George items come up that are sort of devoid of really any context. And I never really understand how the British papers get their intel here, but they had a little news cycle over the past couple of days about Prince George sort of unusually kind of being helpful when in the delivery wait the people who work at Waitrose deliver the groceries to their country house at the Norfolk home. So I guess according to the sun, he has stunned staff by helping out alongside them to unload the groceries every time it gets delivered. Which and is he, so sweet. <laughs> he greets the van with Dad William, and their helpful approach has become well-known among supermarket staff. They were praised for their constant offers to lo- lug in the mammoth food order. I love how mammoth is thrown in there. Right. Like, all the, like, mounds of food. The insider explained, and I love this as a quote from a source, it is rare for anyone to ever offer to carry deliveries inside. George is always particularly helpful and it is the one who asks each time what he can carry for them. He is a very inquisitive child. Unless you be concerned that it's like strenuous for him, the source continues, they give him lighter bags. It shows how down to earth William is and that he wants his son to grow up being polite and helpful to others. Julie, is this like the most like shining PR story you've ever heard for a celebrity? This really is. I'm almost wondering whether Kensington Palace like planted this <laughs> as some sort of light, innocent counterpoint to the whole state visit. That's something. a good call, actually, because I do feel like, the, as I said at the beginning, these things come out of nowhere in the sense of you're like, where, why, how, you know? Um, well, right, because I imagine that Kensington Palace has anyone who encounters any royal sign some sort of confidentiality agreement so right my initial thought was maybe it was a waitrose employee but i feel like waitrose wouldn't want to lose that account so right waitrose they... must i have i had the same thought process as you i thought well maybe waitrose wanted this out there because waitrose was in a lot of the headlines but i just don't think exactly i think there's no way if, if they have a regular order there that they would not check or like that it would somehow be approved. Well, right. And they're not sending like the newest delivery guy to go deliver this. This is like <laughs> right. a senior waitress. I'm dying person. to know. I want the reality show of the breakdown of who is the, the waitress delivery man who gets this job and gets to hang out with Prince George once a week when he comes to do the groceries. Well, right, because what would your reaction be if you were that delivery guy? You got to the door, you expect to be interfacing with staff. And instead, it's it's the future king. Right. And he's like, can I get that bag for you? And also, yeah, is there like a liability thing? Do you want to give him the bag? Like, I don't know. I just feel like you would be, I would be so nervous to even engage. Um, right, so there's someone waiting with a sniper who's going to get you. Oh, God. A sniper with a rifle. Yeah, I don't so know. So my follow-up, if any member of the royal family or royal adjacent, I guess we'll add that in, was you were going to open the door, you order, you've ordered your takeout sushi or whatever, and it you open the door, who... <laughs> I guess I've taken this to a different level now. They're an outgoing delivery really man. Have. <laughs> 
Who would be your person you'd most want to be on the other side of the door? Harry. Yeah. What's yours? Mm. Oh my god, this long pause. I haven't seen Josh like <laughs> deliberate over anything so seriously. Megan. I don't know. Or Kate. Really? Mm. You think Harry would be the most like palling around? Yes. Yeah, yes. and he'd have a he'd have a good joke or two up his sleeve for sure. Right. I feel like Kate would just sort of hand you the groceries and that would be that. (laughs) George would be fun. George would be fun. George would be fun too. Like it would be so unexpected. Uh, Um, I know. Did you ever think we'd get to this point where we would find this? I don't know. This is like kind of a strange gossip item. (laughs) It is weird. And I kind of agree with you. There must be some, I, I imagine they have like a binder somewhere of like these lighthearted, items that somehow they can dispose they dispense whenever you want because also as you noted obviously the state visit is going on now there was all this kind of back and forth with megan and the president and everything and i feel like this definitely makes things lighter right distraction look over here at this cute anecdote right but yeah this the state visit is i guess over tomorrow and on Saturday is the Trooping the Colors event, which I guess they reported this week Prince Louis will be in attendance for. So the whole Cambridge squad, but no one is quite sure if Megan will make an appearance since she's on maternity leave. Wow, that is something to watch. I'm very, what do you think if you had to bet? I think she will go. But Archie, no. Archie, no. I think she'll go. Uh, it'd be kind of a cool way to like introduce Archie to the public sphere. But right. also, that's such an intense one where they all look up in the sky and everything. And I don't know. And they're all on that balcony together. And it's like the most dressy kind of like formal affair. I just feel like maybe that wouldn't be where she would want to put Archie. Right. But I can see her showing up. I also, I think I would put my money on her showing up, but Archie not. God, I'm excited. Um, yeah. All right. So let us know uh, your thoughts on Big Little Lies after you watch on Sunday. And yeah. I know we're going to have to figure out how we're going to... Well, we'll, figure, we'll talk later um, to cover each episode with you guys. And let us know what you think of the Trooping the Colors after that happens on Saturday as well. I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss next week. I know. Or if you have any predictions, yeah. let us know. That does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, check us out, comment on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it, and it helps us find new listeners. You can also leave us a voicemail at 347-790-0966. Also, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight or follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at Jay Duboff. for us on Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. This episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, no no bad bad energy. energy.